morning everyone, uh, my name is Ben, I'm part of the church here at Ebby. Um, and I'm really sorry that I'm not able to be physically in the building with you all this morning, but uh, as you can probably hear, I'm not very well at the moment. Um, after about two years of dodging it, I finally have my first positive COVID test. So we're going back to this kind of lockdown vibe again, just for today, hopefully. Um, so apologies about that. Also, I'm really cold all the time, so sorry for keeping my hood up. Um, <clears throat> this morning, uh, we're starting a new series reading through a book called Two Corinthians. I say a book, technically it's a letter, the second letter, um, written by a man called Paul to one of the early churches in a place called Corinth, sometime around about the year 55. Um, this letter is full of advice and thoughts from Paul about what it means to be a church, to be followers of Jesus together in their time and place in Corinth in 55. Um, we're going to start at the start, controversially, in chapter 1. So let's read through the particular passage that we're looking at this morning and then see if there are some things that we can learn from it for the life of our church here at Ebby in Bristol in 2022. Okay, so we'll start at verse 1 and read down to verse 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I suppose we're looking at, and I'm interested in what this passage says to us about the attitude that we should have toward comfort and suffering. You heard those words in that passage a lot of times. And I think the sort of one-line answer, maybe that's not quite the right word, the one-line summary that I want to talk about uh, this morning on that is, is there in verse 4. So that we can comfort those in any trouble. Or for brevity, maybe we could say comfort others. So that we can comfort others. Um, and to expand very slightly on those, so that, I think, shows that comfort is not the ultimate thing. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the end of the story. There's something beyond comfort and suffering. Otherwise, it wouldn't say, so that. 
we can, this is maybe the key to the whole thing, we, this is not addressed to me or to you or to any individual, this is addressed to a church together, this is a collective um, thing, whatever attitude we're talking about here is something that we can have. Um, and comfort others, comfort those in any trouble. Um, this is about looking outside ourselves and and turning the comfort and the suffering even that we have um, uh, into something that can uh, bless and serve um, those around us. Comfort is not only for us. To sow that, comfort's not the be-all and end-all. We can, something we do together, comfort others, this outward facing. Um, but uh, I told Esther I'd do 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and also I think maybe we could do with trying to unpack that just a little bit more and not just leave it at that. Um, so let, let me just try and, and spend a few minutes um, expanding slightly on what I mean there. Uh, and that involves, to begin with, a little bit of rewinding or zooming out or something coming out from just this passage for a second. Um, so I think last time I spoke at Ebi, I talked about this idea of being at home in God's domain, this sense that um, there is a coming world <laughs> where the character and um, nature of God is all in all, and where that is how the world runs, that heaven and earth will be brought together and everything will be part of God's good and just and peaceful domain. Uh, and that in a sense, what our lives are for, what our time on earth here and now, uh, the opportunity that we have with those, I suppose, is to prepare for that domain and to become more and more at home in it so that when it arrives and when that is the world that we're walking around in we don't feel lost or confused or thrown instead we look around it and go this is what i always longed for this was what i was ready for this is uh familiar to me um so yeah that idea of being increasingly at home in god's domain um, and I think in a lot of ways that's not a bad summary for what Paul is doing with this letter, with all the letters really. Um, he's basically trying to train up the early church in ways to do that, ways in which they can, in the world in which they live, become more at home in God's domain. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb for us as well, for working out how we ought to be conducting ourselves in the world here and now, the world as we find it to ask ourselves with everything that we come face to face with, with every moment of decision, with every tiny detail of our ordinary lives, whatever it might be, big things, small things, still a pretty good rule of thumb. Which attitudes, which courses of action most build my character, train my heart, um, make us more ready to be at home in God's domain? Now, it's possible that sometimes that won't need us to do or change anything at all. It's conceivable, right? If we find in some areas of life or the world that we're already living in a setup to something that's really similar to what we think we can expect in, in God's full domain, then great, it's really easy, right? <laughs> we just have to keep going with those. We don't have to 
do or change anything. Um, but I think we always need to ask that question. And so seeing as this morning, we're looking at this particular passage, which deals with uh, attitudes to comfort and to suffering. I think that's a good place to start. Um, are those things different or the same? Is, is our default, is, our, is the society that we live in when it comes to comfort and suffering, is it already in line with how God's domain works? Or is there a difference there? And we need to start being intentional about training ourselves for anticipating that difference. I hope that, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, if there's a gap between the society that we live in and what we expect the domain of God to look like, then we've got work to do. Um, now, we don't have time for a full investigation into contemporary society's attitude to comfort and suffering, sadly. <laughs> um, uh, but lots of my work is in marketing, and I feel like from that, you get a pretty clear take on that there's a pretty clear societal default attitude to comfort and to suffering. So I thought what we could do as a kind of quick shorthand to get a quick flavour of where do our heads start at by default when it comes to comfort and suffering, I thought we could look at a couple of quick uh, adverts. So let me see if I can cue these up here. Hold on. Deliveroo presents the forgotten milk. You'll have to go back out there with the drizzle, the rushing, the cues, the chaos, the wolves. Or you could just deliver it. Milk, groceries, oh, and some crumpets in as little as 20 minutes. Deliveroo. Food. We get it. Okay, so I reckon, I hope, uh, it feels pretty clear how those two ads follow a similar pattern or shape to each other. Uh, and I think that that is <laughs> representative of a much broader like pattern that you'll see everywhere, basically. So th they both start with a sort of depiction of the miserable, suffering, grim, drizzly, I mean, literally dead in one of the <laughs> inanimate in the in the right move ad, the, the, the gloomy, sad world that you start in when you don't have these products sorting you out. And then um, they transition at slightly different points in the ad, but they both do the same switch, which is once you get the app or the product, glorious, sunny, happy comfort. So you start in glum suffering and you finish in joyous comfort. And the thing that makes the difference is the app. You know, if you just get Deliveroo, you can go from suffering to comfort. If you just get the house of your dreams on right move, because it's that easy, apparently, uh, you go from glum suffering to joyous comfort. And you'll see this pattern repeated in all kinds of ads, marketing, posters, whatever, all the time, flyers that come through your door. Some of them might just emphasize the before part, the suffering, the problem that they solve, like all these terrible things will happen without us. 
some might just emphasize the after part, the comfort, the solution, the this is the happy world that you'll live in with us. Um, but if you start looking for it, you will see that pattern everywhere. And I think it's very telling about the sort of standard setup. The assumption in all of those is the same. I'm going to do this in threes, partly just to keep it neat and tidy and so we can keep track of these points a bit better, maybe. Um, first of all, uh, that having lots of comfort and little suffering is the be all and end all. That is the end game. That is how to win. So they don't say, um, you have this nice, joyous, comfortable, happy, sunny life in order to then do X or Y better. They finish there. The product is there to get you the comfort, to take away the suffering and get you the comfort because we've totally absorbed this idea that that is in itself the whole end game story. That as long as I've got as little suffering as possible and as much comfort as possible, that is what good means. That's one, uh, that suffering and comfort are ultimate. Uh, secondly, that um, the goal or responsibility of us as the people in the world is, is an inward looking one, is basically for uh, us to go and get enough comfort to cancel out the suffering. That's the idea, that these two um, balance out each other and that our job, therefore, our success at being an adult, whatever you want to call it, is to accumulate enough comfort to take away suffering. That's the second one. There's an inward looking goal. Um, and then thirdly, which is kind of related, uh, I think you can see it very clearly in both of those, but again, you'll see this in lots of ads, um, that that responsibility lives with each of us individually. You know, it is the scarecrow who has to make that switch. It is the person who's forgotten the milk. It's their job to get the app to solve that problem, that there's there's an individual responsibility here, that it's my job to go and do all the things right to get enough comfort to weigh out the suffering. Does that make sense? So it's ultimate, it's inward looking, and it's individualized. So then to go back to what I was saying before, the question there is, well, first of all, is that different? Is that different to what we expect from God's domain? Because if it's the same, then it's great. It's really easy. We don't have to do anything. Um, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of the time church does in practice get sold in exactly the same way and can look very similar. Here's the threat or the problem of the suffering, the miserable glum life that you're going to have without this fixing you. And here's the promise that if you buy into this thing that we've got, then comfort and joyous, happy, sunny days will surely follow, um, at least enough to weigh out cancel out the, the sort of suffering that you're struggling with and it often does follow that same pattern of making comfort ultimate that church is good because it will give you enough comfort to take away your suffering and it is inward looking that the reason you should do this is because that's how to succeed that's the game we're playing is accumulate enough comfort and it is individualized that it's on you it's on you to get your life sorted that you are the one who comes to the alpha course or whatever I don't know like <laughs> but that it happens to each of us one by one and then sometimes I think that ends up being a sort of spiritual uber eats <laughs> like just get this one simple thing and it will sweep away all your metaphysical existential 
spiritual strife with really convenient, easy, quick comfort. But I think if we go back to the passage and that short summary version that I started with, it seems pretty clear to me that it is not the same, that their version that we see in those adverts is not the same as what Paul is advocating. Um, we talked about those three things so that we can comfort others. And I, as I say, the so that says to me that comfort versus suffering is not ultimate in and of itself. That's not to say it's a bad thing or that it's only there to make some other bigger thing happen. There is plenty in the Bible about the joys of comfort and the um, evils of suffering. Uh, so don't mishear me on that. But it's, I do think we get from this passage that it's not ultimate, that that's not the end of the story. So that is to say that our attitude to comfort and suffering is part of some bigger idea of a good or whole life. It doesn't, the be all and end all is not, have I got enough comfort? Secondly, that, that we can think that this is a collective endeavor, that this is something that is supposed to happen together. So whereas I feel like the Deliveroo version is individualized and it makes it everybody's individual problem to sort out, I think Paul is pushing for, and I think we see in my understanding of God's domain, that this is something that happens to us as a, a body together, collectively, that all of us are inherently connected to and interdependent on each other. And it's something that we think about, not just me. And it's not just that if enough of us all get our comfort ratios up high enough, then the collective will take care of itself. <laughs> but there's something built into it where this is supposed to be a thing that we do together, we experience and we live through together. And thirdly, so that we can comfort others, that where the responsibility with this stuff is to be outward looking, not inward looking, that it's not about am I being responsible in accumulating enough comfort that I've done my bit right. Um, it's for us together to always be trying to look for how we can turn our, not my, our comforts out so that others who need comforting can in turn be comforted and then they can turn theirs out and comfort others and so on. And that might seem quite subtle, but I think it's a really key distinction, just this difference between this is primarily an inward looking thing or primarily an outward looking thing. Basically, I feel like if it's what you wanted to say, Paul could easily have written, praise be to the God of all comfort, who gives each of us fulfillment in life by providing all the comfort we need to cancel out our individual suffering. Well, he didn't say that. He said, so that we can comfort others. So to me, it seems pretty clear that our attitude on this stuff should be different. That if we want to be at home in God's domain, we need to be trying to familiarize ourselves with a different take on comfort and suffering than we get from adverts or the world around us or our society's default stance. Um, and so just lastly, really quickly, I want to start a conversation really about how that can go. Um, to me, I feel like this is kind of what church is for, not specifically for comfort and suffering, but for anything, any part of the letters that you can dig into, any of those things where there's a gap between the world and God's domain, where we need to do work to bridge it. That is what church is for. This is a place where everyone has opted into that different understanding and so that means it's a place where we should be able to practice these kind of wacky 
alternatives, these different understandings, it should be easier for us to practice those together because we're all brought into them. And I think at that point, that's where I probably need to confess that uh, I'm a little bit short on ideas. I don't know if that's just because I'm trying to think of this through slight COVID fog. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I get the idea of this on paper. I'm totally brought into this idea of church as a training ground for a different attitude to comfort and suffering. But I don't quite know what to turn that into yet. I think there are some really easy things. I've got a real bee in my bonnet about individualistic consumerism in the way we do church, making church seem like a kind of spiritual delivery, Uber Eats, right move, whatever. And we need to make sure we're being really careful about resisting and challenging that and being intentional about modeling a different understanding of what good looks like. Um, but I guess I feel like when I was prepping this and thinking about it, sometimes it feels like we can still be left with that Deliveroo version of comfort and suffering in a lot of our day-to-day -day lives. That a lot of the time, probably, if we ranked our days and marks out of 10, the higher scores would be the ones where we personally experience a lot of comfort, I do, and the lower ones would be the ones where I experience a lot of suffering. Um, that it would be that inward-looking, individualized, ultimate thing. And I guess I just sort of, I want us to together be training harder for a different thing than that. So that when we're scoring our days out of 10, that isn't the whole defining setup. For our default attitude to be more collective, for our immediate feelings about comfort and suffering, our sense of those good days or bad days is, is more grounded in the whole body together, not just me. Not just am I having a good day, but where's the comfort and suffering of everybody um, and to be more and more ready for that world of outward facing other serving comfort that this is something that works when I'm giving it away when we are giving it away see how easy it is to slip into not just accumulate it for myself I feel like there probably are some clever creative things we could do together to turn church into a space for regularly training that different attitude and instinct. That this is a place where we live differently together because we're brought into a different understanding. And I think those things probably are pretty drastic, that it's not a small shift. I mean, just to be really honest, I think I'm probably not that interested in a church of small shifts. At my reading of this passage, of the letter, of the Bible as a whole, is that church and I don't just mean every, I mean the church, is there to be a radical alternative community, a place where a group of rescued stragglers start living here and now in a different world that is still to come. And my sense is that that will be weird and a bit scary and uncomfortable to and with the status quo, that it doesn't run to the usual power patterns, that it's going to be a bumpy ride in a lot of ways because we're fighting against everything that is assumed um but i can't fully figure that out or make it i definitely can't make it start happening on my own none of us can because it's inherently something we have to do together this is so that we can comfort others if we're not doing this stuff together we're not doing it um yeah that's kind of the end <laughs> we don't really have a neat wrap up or takeaway um 
an invitation to carry on figuring it out, maybe. I just feel like we definitely don't or shouldn't live by the world's setup of comfort and suffering. It's supposed to be different. We're supposed to be living in that so that we can comfort others space. So please help me figure out how we can do that more all the time. <laughs> Thanks. That's, that's the end. <laughs> Bye.